And uh, we are uh, firing up the uh, big machines. That's what's going on right now. We are firing up the big machines. You are listening to me right now on, uh, you're watching me and listening on YouTube. And you are uh, listening to me on Comedy Schools Radio Network.com. And I am, I am waiting. Ah, I am Tony Visick. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all persuasions. You are watching Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. We come to you every day at 2 p.m. Arizona time. We are your daily distraction from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. Uh, we come to you on uh, three platforms, Comedy Schools, Radio Network.com, YouTube, Comedy Schools Channel, and right here on Facebook Live. Show is built around uh, one of three or two or three or three of three elements. Your questions and comments as you join in here and we talk about uh, the wonderful world of politics, culture, music, and uh, fashion. I've decided to become a fashion designer. Um, no, I'm not. I don't even know why I said that. Strike that. We're going to edit that right out of the uh, final program. Um, your questions and comments. Uh, oftentimes, we have some sort of knickknack or bobblehead or uh, klotchke or, or a piece of memorabilia. Oh, hey, Shirley. Will you bring me up from downstairs what you found for me for today? So uh, how do you like that? How's those production values for you? I'm just yelling at my wife here uh, during the show. She also is the producer of the show. Um, we build it around that where we try to weave some sort of story around it. And uh, we recommend uh, one or two artists or pieces of music based off of our vast vinyl album collection. Uh, so it is um, Wednesday, October 21st. Um, Champ de Blasio said today, uh, we're already getting questions, we're already getting comments from our good friend Champ. Great, by the way, pizza reviews on his page. Champ de Blasio, D-E-B-L-A-S-I-O. Does some great pizza reviews. Um, man has done so much more in his life, but it's kind of like something he's doing right now. Uh, voted straight Democrat, even though I don't know the positions, and I have voted split tickets before, but not this time with the bullshit we went through the last four years. You know, out here in Arizona... We're doing something where um, there'll be like four candidates for a position. And you can say voting for no more than three. And there'll be two Democrats and two Republicans, say for a judgeship or a school board position. And uh, we're trying to get people to just vote for the Democrats. So some of you might think about that. Uh, if there's, a, especially in these um, important but really kind of unheralded positions, supervisor, county supervisor, you know, uh, 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 school board. School board's really important because those people set what your kids get taught. And if you don't think the school board's important, you got to realize we live now in a nation of people who get their news from the YouTube. So uh, I'm just looking at some things I got here I'm going to share with you in a little bit. They're very, very cool. Um, anyway, uh, Cricket Gill says, I got my ballot yesterday. I'll be dropping it off tonight. Shirley and I have already voted. I posted something up on Facebook about that a while back. I did that where there was, a, there was four, four names, three positions available. I said vote for no more than three. But only two were Democrats. Therefore, I only voted for the two Democrats. So uh, you got to watch for those sort of things. They're sneaky. Tina Mike Lawson says, hello, friend. Probably going to be wearing sweaters in Phoenix before long. Temps getting below 100 degrees. That's true. That's true. I'll be getting out the wool socks, be getting on the earmuffs. You watch, you know, having the hot toddies with the cinnamon stick in it. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. We're going to be doing the ant in Phoenix. Um, so, yeah, so you guys are voting. Okay? Things are happening. There's a debate tomorrow night. I just, you know, I don't, I'm not going to do a lot. I'm trying not to do a lot of politics in this show. We talk about it so much. But the debate commission is now stated that at the next debate, I don't know what happened there. My broadcast paused for a second. At the next debate for the president of the United States, arguably the most powerful man in the world, one of the most important positions that can be held in the history of this planet, that during the two-minute sections when people are making laying out their case for two minutes, the other guy's microphone is going to be muted. They have to actually mute people's microphones. They have to mute people's microphones because uh, one Donald J. Trump thinks that his best advantage in a debate is to keep interrupting and talking loudly over and not giving anybody else even their time to speak. So because of that, you know, and even Chris Wallace said, look, these rules are basically because of the way Donald Trump comports himself during these debates. We have to mute the microphone of whomever's not speaking. That's what's going to be going on tomorrow night. And damn it, God damn it, that's just sad. But we're not here to be sad. We're here to be happy. Uh, I got some great stuff for you. I do not have a bobblehead today. Now, yesterday, we were able to share with you our latest bobblehead. Um, Cheryl, if you wouldn't mind grabbing it, we're going to show it to the people of the audience again today. Because it's brand new. It's right down there below. Uh, there we go. We got uh, courtesy of... And I don't want this to start becoming a thing. Okay? Let me make this clear. Okay? Uh, we don't collect bobbleheads. We rescue bobbleheads. But this one was rescued by one Kevin Brown. Very funny comic. Kev the All-Star, as he's known in the comedy world, in the comedy business. Very funny guy. Okay? He rescued this from a swap meet in the part of Phoenix where they have swap meets. So you know what kind of part that was? Kind of a creepy uh, methadone, mescaline, methamphetamine. Uh, you ever thought about how many uh, good drugs have an M in their name? Uh, part of town. And got us this Larry Fitzgerald bobblehead. Now, I don't want that to start happening. I don't want people to start going, let's send Tony a bobblehead to show on air. I don't want people, you know, boxing them up and putting them in. Uh, and I'm even handing it off right now. We just showed it one time. Box them off and putting in, you know, the uh, styrofoam popcorn. I don't want you going to local Goodwills or swap meets or, or uh, antique shops in your area and finding bobbleheads and sending me. Uh, <laughs> I don't want that. Uh, but Kevin Brown did do that yesterday. And then yesterday, my grandson and I, he decided we should rate the bobbleheads 1 through 10, 10 being best. Um, of all the bobbleheads we have, we had to already break that rating system and make our three stooges, we have the three stooges, Mo, Larry, and Curly, a bobblehead, they got a 10 plus. The first bobblehead to get a 10, as far as the coolest bobbleheads in our collection, was the Tony Visick bobblehead, because there's only three of them in the universe, and right after that, the James Dean bobblehead, which goes for 50 bucks on eBay. So uh, we had that. Here's what we got today to show you. Um, I talk about him a lot. He watches a lot, and we've been through a lot. Uh, my brother Jerry is an artist. When we were kids and growing up in an uh, interesting environment, uh, we found ways to cope with that environment. Cope with that environment. And mine was talking as I was backing away from uh, maybe something being swung my way. And his was drawing. And his little kitty would sit there and draw. And lo and behold, he grew up to become a college professor 
in the world of art and to be a great artist. We have some of his older drawings here. Uh, for years, he was a political cartoonist in Long Beach, California. This is a pen and ink by my brother Jerry of the man who probably did more to destroy the civility of American political life of anyone in the world, one Newt Gingrich. So that's my brother's uh, uh, Newt Gingrich. Uh, this was two of five. Uh, he called him house mouth. Uh, also at the time there was, uh, that Jerry was doing this, he was also doing this during a time of uh, the recession or uh, a stock market collapse. And this one might go all the way back to the 80s. I don't think I can get this open. That has, okay. So uh, here's a cool uh, thing that he did in the 80s when they had the big stock market crash, and it says on it, Wall Street, and it's a picture of a bull about to be waylaid by a bear. A bull about to be waylaid by a bear. So I think those are cool. He did these for, uh, I think it was the Long Beach Telegram, a now defunct newspaper, but he was their editorial political cartoonist for 20 years, and those are just a couple of, of his things that we found uh, in a box today in our house, and I thought I'd show them to you and pay homage to my very talented brother. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it, that when we were little kids, the way that he coped with things was just to scribble and draw, scribble and draw, scribble and draw, and he's be able to turn it into a very nice career. So um, oftentimes with kids, we do not. It's an etching also. Oh, okay, so you made these, uh, uh, the ones that I showed, Jerry, are etchings. For those of you that are just listening, Jerry just uh, put up a, uh, a statement on uh, Facebook Live. Um, we don't value the arts, children, nearly as, as much as we should. But uh, with everything that he studied over the years, as a kid, doodling and drawn and doodling and drawn, he was able to turn it into a very nice career as a uh, editorial cartoonist and as a professor as well, along with doing some great, great paintings. Uh, and one of these days, I'm going to talk him into doing a uh, gallery showing uh, when things open back up again. All right, Kevin Brown says, what's happening, Tony? Uh, Kevin, we showed everybody the uh, Larry Fitzgerald bobblehead once again and pointed out to people we do not want people finding bobbleheads and sending them to us. We do not when people finding bobbleheads and sending them to us, okay, just because you bought us one. I mean, with the holidays coming up, Christmas and whatnot, New Year's, I think there's another one, I think there's another, uh, the Baha'is, I think, have a holiday. Anyway, do not start sending us bobbleheads that you find places. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to show that. That was my brother's art, uh, and it was early art. I believe that was from the 80s. So if you've got kids who are showing... Um, Artistic pretensions, encourage that, okay? Encourage that. A lot of times, uh, you also got to look at it too, that if you have kids who are showing uh, artistic proclivities, often it's a way for them to express themselves because they uh, are finding the normal channels of communication difficult or not suitable or not satisfactory. So encourage that because it is their way of communicating. It is their way of speaking. It is that way of showing how they feel. It is their way of sometimes clarifying our own thoughts as they uh, boil uh, concepts, ideas, news, topical conversations to the sense. I talked Jerry Drew. Today I'm talking to you, and I'm showing you Jerry's drawings. So if you got kids who like to talk and draw, okay, don't tell them, put that away. Do your numbers. 
make sure they do their numbers. Because if you don't, and you can talk and draw real good, and someone else knows numbers better, they'll take all your fucking numbers. Okay, that's all we got on that today. Let's get to the music quickly today. Um, there's a band that I went to, and I've talked about this band before. All right, and I, uh, it's one of my all-time favorite bands. And basically, it put out one or two albums, but only one of any consequence. But it was a seminal band made by foundational people in the history of rock music. As music was making that transition from rock and roll, well, rock and roll made three major transitions between uh, the mid-50s and the uh, early mid-60s. Because it first exploded on the scene as rock and roll. And that era was, uh, some people say Bill Haley and the Comets, Rock Around the Clock was the first huge rock and roll hit. Some people say the very first rock and roll record was Rocket 88, which is written by uh, Ike Turner. Uh, more about him later, much later. Um, yeah, he met a young girl and uh, helped launch her career, although um, unfortunately he caused the launch sometimes by launching one. So, um, so he's kind of a pariah, but his uh, song Rocket 88, some people consider first rock and roll record. Um, then Bill Haley and the Comets Rock Around the Clock being the first hit. Of course, the superstar of that era, of the rock and roll era, was none other than Elvis Presley. And then along Little Richards and Keith Richards, uh, Keith, Little Richard, <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, uh, Chuck Berry, uh, you know, those were the biggies of the time, Eddie Cochran, you know, some others. So that was the first era of rock and roll. The second era of rock and roll was a watering down of it in the early 60s as Chuck Berry was put in prison. Little Richard was hounded out of uh, uh, the business uh, because um, of uh, maybe his proclivities. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, shamed out of the business because he married, he got married, but he married a 14-year-old girl that was his cousin uh, from down in Louisiana, which was common down there whether you agree with it or not. Uh, and full disclosure, my mother and father got married at the ages of 15 and 17 in Missouri. So as you're sitting there horrified, understand why I'm not totally horrified because it was my experience in life. Uh, and Elvis, of course, was inexplicably drafted and joined the army. So the, the badasses of rock and roll were swept off the stage for a period of time and entered in then the soft rock, the Ricky Nelsons, Frankie Avalon, doo-wop rose up out of that time period, which was still kind of a little bit of the badass music. Why was doo-wop badass music? Because it was done by the impoverished. It was done by the poor. Think about this for a second. Think about this. Think about this for a second. I don't know why this thing keeps pausing today. Think about this for a second. Doo-wop music was all vocal. So it was mainly created by poor kids, black and white, black and Italian, oftentimes, standing on the corner who had no instruments and only had their voices. So doo-wop came along, but it was the soft rock. You know, it was the Teen Angel era, you know, that went on in the early 60s. So it had been the second phase of rock and roll. Third phase brought in by the Beatles. The Beatles brought it in, and we had the English invasion. But there was almost like a third and a half. It was as we went from rock and roll and soft rock and roll and what the Beatles were doing, which was Beatles music. It's nothing else. It's not rock. It's not anything. It's Beatles music, man to rock music. And there were some seminal important bands that oftentimes don't get uh, honored. And one of them, of course, is this one, one of my all-time favorite bands. 
the electric flag. So that is an old copy of the electric flags album, A Long Time Coming. They build themselves as an American music band. Their first album, the first group of music they did was for a movie called The Trip. The Trip, starring Peter Fonda about an acid trip written by Jack Nicholson. So at the beginning of what became the counterculture, and the counterculture becoming the dominant culture in art, in music, in film, there was this synergy between these incredibly talented people. The Electric Flag did the music for the trip, written by Jack Nicholson, starring Peter Fonda, well before Easy Rider, well before Chinatown, when there were young, young guys knocking around Hollywood. And Albert Grossman found out Mike Bloomfield, Albert Grossman, who was the manager of Peter, Paul, and Mary, and Joan Baez, and Bob Dylan, found out Michael Bloomfield was putting a band together, became their manager, and he put together the Electric Flag. Uh, the Electric Flag was made up of some guys who played on Bob Dylan's Highway 61, revisited, and other people. The personnel was on guitar, Mike Bloomfield and Harvey Brooks and a guy named uh, Savuka. Keyboards, Barry Goldberg, Herbie Rich, Mike Ferrana, bass, Harvey Brooks, drums, Buddy Miles, only 19 years old when this album came out, baritone sax, Herbie Rich, trumpet, Marcus Doubleday, and then a lot of the people on percussion, Richie Haven set in playing sitar on this record. Background, uh, background shoeshine vocal quartet, Bloomfield and Quartz. A guy named Paul Beaver paid the Moog synthesizer and some other people playing back, background music. But this was a kick-ass band that turned some incredibly classic songs into this kick-ass rock. So let me read you the, um, the liner notes here real quick, written by Mike Bloomfield. The Electric Flag is an American music band. American music is not necessarily music directly from America. I think it is the music that you hear in the air, on the air, and in the streets. Blues, soul, country, folk, religious music, traffic, crowd, street noise, and field sounds. The sounds of people and silence. Now, I've never heard a better description of American music then and now than that. The first time I ever heard a song by Howlin' Wolf, it was not by Howlin' Wolf. It was by the Electric Flag. And to this day, their version of Killing Floor is one of my all-time favorite songs. Uh, there's great tunes on here. We're going to recommend, I think Shirley already knows this, she's finding it, and put up the uh, um, YouTube clip of the Electric Flag doing Killing Floor. Got to remember, it's 1967 when this came out. Killing Floor, Grooving is Easy, Over Loving You, She Should Have Just, Wine, Texas, sitting in circles, don't you realize? Which was dedicated to Steve Cropper and Otis Redding, another country and easy writer. Many of the songs written by Mike Bloomfield. But the song you gotta listen to, the song you're gonna love, young, old, whatever your ethnic, religious, cultural origins, you're gonna love what the electric flag did. And, and not taking away from Holland Wolf's version of that great Willie Dixon tune. Killing Floor. Uh, matter of fact, that was our opening music when we used to do a Thursday and Friday morning show for many years, Shirley and I. So the electric flag broke up by 1968. Mike Bloomfield was an important guy in the beginning of creating rock music. He was with uh, the Paul Butterfield Blues Band playing straight up blues with what was beginning to be a rock edge. Left them. 
Worked on Highway 61 Revisit with Bob Dylan. Did some tours with Bob Dylan. By 67, 68, he went to farm his own band. Farmed the electric flag. Left them. Did the legendary Super Sessions with Al Cooper. Later on, toured with Al Cooper. And all he wanted to be, Jewish kid, bopping around, loved the guitar. He just wanted to be a black blues musician. And uh, I'm not saying this was the... uh, the uh, uh, culture or lifestyle of all of them, but finally succumbed, of course, to uh, uh, that great monkey and so many great musicians back, heroin. Mike Bloomfield suffered from horrific insomnia and thought that heroin would help him cure it and make him a better guitarist. Whether it made him a better guitarist or not, we don't know. Whether it cured him of his insomnia, we don't know. We know that it did lead to uh, an untimely demise for this much-forgotten, incredible seminal guitarist laying down licks that were imitated and emulated and stolen and borrowed and used throughout music for the next 40 and 50 years before Jimi hendrix uh, right around when eric clapton was still over in england mike bloomfield was here just kicking some hippie ass playing the guitar so i urge you to listen to killing floor and then tell me what you think of it then i urge you to listen to more electric flag because they were just a great 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 american band I think that's all I got for you today. I think we're kind of done. Hey, um, you can always find uh, fun comedy, by the way. Uh, We love talking about music on this show. uh, And we love recommending stuff that we love, hoping that it will bring a little love in your heart. Put a little love in your heart. But uh, this Thursday, Friday, Saturday at J.P.'s Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com, owned by the man who salts his pizza, Jim Perry, and partnered with the man who always makes fun of him about it, me, We've got incredible shows with Mike Dapper, great Phoenix local headliner. Please go down and check it out because you will love every minute of it. JP's Comedy Club. Uh, If you ever thought about doing comedy and you thought about doing a stand-up comedy workshop, I run them. I have them. We've had people go from their very first show all the way to national television. I got great shows coming up for you guys to see live and on Zoom. Be telling you about that in the coming weeks. I'm going to have more bobbleheads. I'm going to have more great music. I'm going to have great more art. I'm going to have a lot more fun because it's really fun to be able to take a break from all the weirdness of the world today and talk to you guys. So JP's Comedy Club this weekend, Killing Floor, already here. You can listen to it. You can listen to it right now. You will love it. You will love it, Bob Rocky. Any gospel. I don't know if that was your question. Do I have any gospel music? I got some here somewhere. We'll dig it up. Gospel music is fantastic. And by the way, Bob, you should, uh, you should read your gospel. So um, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you very much for listening and watching today. We'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. with another edition of Living on a Thin Line. Bye-bye.